Welcome to the Backyard Buddhist Podcast, where we continually seek everyday enlightenment for the benefit of ourselves and all other beings. I'm Ron Powell McLean, and I'm here with my good buddy, Danny Hobart. Today, we're talking about the fourth paramita, joyful and enthusiastic effort. Hey, Dan, are you feeling enthusiastic? Well, I tell you what, I am now going to apply apply my enthusiastic effort into finding the shunyata that I've lost lately. Oh, mostly today. So you've lost, you've lost. I've lost shunyata. shunyata. <laughs> <laughs> I've lost that loving shunyata feeling. Yes, <laughs> come back to me. Oh my goodness! And don't tell me you don't tell me it's everywhere and it's in me and I'll, you know. Skip that part. <laughs> because you've lost it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah. when you find it again, we can talk about yeah. it. <laughs> Don't be like, just sit back and open your eyes and take it's, it all in. It's just all like a, there. Like a good Buddhist practitioner. <laughs> it's all there for you, Dan. Some, well. days you, some days you like to lose these things, right? <laughs> some days it's just inconvenient to be aware. Yeah, that's right. Yesterday was... A challenging day for me. I, um, as you know, I had a bad MRI. I had an accident involving my arm, and I've been trying to baby it and do physical therapy and did an MRI, and it just was not the outcome that I wanted. And I spiraled a little. Like I was really, <laughs> it was one of those days where you feel like, where I feel like everything that could go wrong went wrong. <laughs> like even, even the, you know, something as simple as we decided we were going to, we were going to order out and my husband said, Oh, I want Thai food. And I went, okay, I've got the Thai restaurant for you. I know you've never been there before and we're going to order it. And this is my favorite pad Thai and that has my favorite spring rolls and you're going to die. You're going to love this. So we ordered it, got delivered, start eating it and damned it. If there wasn't the biggest, longest hair <laughs> in, my, in my pad Thai. And oh. you know, I understand it. It's, it's, it's just a thing, but now I'm like on the watch. Like there's, if there's one, there's more <laughs> and it just ruined, it ruined my meal. I was, I'm like, all I, all I wanted was <laughs> to just yeah. medicate with some pad thai and it didn't work. And then I said, okay, I, you know, I'm, I looked at my, my step counter and I still have, you know, 2000 steps that I have to achieve. I want to achieve. And we decided we were going to go on a little family walk. So we put the, I put my shoes on and then I asked Aurora, my dog, do you want to go for a, do you want to go for a walk? And she got so excited. She jumped on me and gashed open my other arm, my good arm. (laughs) So now I'm bleeding (laughs) all over. Like, you know, by by eight o'clock, I was ready to just pack it in and go to bed. <laughs> like, 
Well, maybe there is some truth to the secret. Maybe you thought you thought it was terrible and then it became terrible, right? You're responsible. Can never say that again. (laughs) (laughs) Never ever say that again. Because you you caught did you know that you caused did you know you caused your own suffering? Did you know about that? Yes, I do know about that. And I was fully aware. Of, of my participation in my suffering yesterday. So, oh, boy. oh boy. So today, today's a new day. I got up, I had, you know, I had my coffee. Darren had to go to work. So we had coffee together and I, then I put on my shoes and I did my walk early and kind of got my, you know, shook out all of the bad juju, I guess, <laughs> got moving again and, and, at least feels like I accomplished one of my tasks, which is good. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to, it's good to, those, those are the style of days that lead me straight to Ben and Jerry's and uh, (laughs) not sleeping and Reddit and (laughs) not getting up and not getting up when I wake up in the morning and just hanging out and, uh, so good for you. Good for you for, for taking that in and letting it go and coming back for more. Well, I mean, that's, that's really a lot of it. You know, I think, you know, when I look back, here's my, my uh, former vision, we'll call that okay. <laughs> for, okay. for, for my former self, my hindsight vision that in my younger years, I would spiral and stay spiraling. Like I would stay in that for days and weeks and months and be in a bad mood and feel depressed and feel like the world was out to get me and everybody was out to get me. And it would conjure that sort of victimization feeling of just defeatism. Like it's always kind of pressuring on me. Like there was nothing I could seem to do to change the tide. And I've certainly recognized that in my practice, I have an opportunity to shift, shift my awareness, shift my intention and how to get back on the path, if you will. So that's why I I chose this topic today, because I think when we look at the paramitas, so we've got generosity, ethical discipline, patience, enthusiastic effort, concentration, and wisdom. And we know that all of these work together and they sort of hang from each other. So, Ethical discipline is, you know, what you use to be certain that your generosity is altruistic and that it's not a transaction. So we use that as a lens. We use patience because we know that through our conditioning, we've built up habits and habits are not super easy to break. So we need a little bit of patience with ourselves because we kind of just keep going back into the same groove. It takes some effort to move. And so the fourth is, 
you know, this diligence, this effort and enthusiasm to help us arrive and continually motivate us to our practice. So when things get crappy, as they do, we know they do, we've experienced that. That was my yesterday, my Monday was a little um, less than exciting. <laughs> so, you know, there's a, <clears throat> there's a lot that enthusiastic effort is one of those things that gets overlooked. I, one of the parameters I think, I think that gets overlooked. Maybe that's just me overlooking it because it seems, uh, again, it's a simple concept. Um, be enthusiastic. So act with some vigor, act with some intent, act with some excitement in your effort. And the effort is to practice, uh, practice Buddhism, practice the Four Noble Truths, practice your practice. Right. And, but you know, there's obviously, as with all things, there's more to it. And you know, I think optimism is a big part of that. You know, you have to have some some idea that you are your effort will be rewarded, that your effort is worthwhile, that your effort is um, is is worthy of your time. Because we both know, and most people that have practiced know that there are times when it seems like your effort is completely, completely <laughs> and utterly wasted. Yesterday, you've been practicing Buddhism for many decades. You've been meditating for longer. And you had a day that was just, you know, one disaster after the next. And yep. In context, I mean, you didn't, right. you know. But, and, and, it's, and it's a challenge for you. So, yeah, I think of optimism usually when I have looked at enthusiastic effort. I guess um, that's my, my personal challenge with it too, you know, is to stay optimistic about. Right. Yeah. I found this uh, description of enthusiastic effort in the uh, Buddhism for Dummies, which is, if you've actually awesome. read it, is is a, not a bad, not a bad, bad place for um, some good reading mm -hmm. um, and in there it says in its most positive sense effort which we may think of as perseverance or commitment is the delight you feel with doing what you know is the right thing which in the buddhist context generally means practicing the teachings instead of resisting you dig in with gusto knowing that you're on the right track. Some texts even claim that perseverance or enthusiastic effort is the most important perfection because it gives energy to the other five. I yeah. like, I loved that, that like mm -hmm. that put it into context for me. I, I will admit in my work of the six perfections, that's one I probably sort of just 
skipped over a little bit and just, yep. Yep. yeah, yeah, I yep. get it. I get it. Move on. <laughs> yeah. Work hard. Show up. Show up. That's right. Right. Work hard. Do it. Yep. Got it. Moving on to the next ditch. I'll just, you know, keep my shovel here with me and keep on digging. Yeah. Right. It's, it's interesting though, when I think about, you know, what motivates me to my practice and, you know, we talked in the last podcast, we talked about, um, you know, my altar and my, you know, I have my room in my house, you know, I've sort of in my Buddhist stuff has really invaded <laughs> our, our home and it's welcomed, you know, we're, we're both on the path and it, it fits, but you know, there's a Buddha pretty much in every room. I don't think we have them in the bathrooms, but <laughs> I don't think I have one in the bedroom either. But anyway, most of our rooms have representations of my Buddhist path and my, my altar is pretty, um, how would you describe it, Dan? I like Kuntasanko. That's my favorite part of all altars oh. that you have, just so you know. As if you didn't know. As if I don't tell every single person that I know. But that's my favorite. <laughs> I do love the Kuntasanko. That's my favorite. You, you have a busy altar. It is full and bright and shiny and colorful. And there are plenty of things you surround. You like to sort of surround yourself. Yes. I absolutely the, do. Accoutrement. I think about the progression of my, my altar, you know, over my practice and, you know, I actually haven't been, I know you said it earlier, but I haven't been practicing Buddhism for decades, but you know, just over a decade. Gotcha. Um, but meditation for a lot longer. So, you know, we'll call it since gosh, at, you know, 20, 30, maybe 30 years <laughs> more, actually longer than that. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm, I'm aging myself out here. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Sorry folks. If you thought I was 26 and <laughs> cute, whatever, <laughs> not happening. Have compassion. Have compassion. Buddha. <laughs> anyway. So, you know, I think about the progression and I started out with, you know, just this little world market um, kind of sandstone Buddha that he has his little hands around like this thing that holds a, a, um, a little tea light candle. And I used to, <laughs> used to laugh because it looked like he was bringing a covered dish, <laughs> like <laughs> the casserole of enlightenment. <laughs> Well, you know, everybody knows we're from like the same, like little white suburban slash country town. So, you know, uh, casseroles in those old ceramic, yeah. you know, with the, with the painted on, oh, yeah. you know, 70s designs. Yeah. Uh, I think my, I think my parents still use those. They're pretty awesome, frankly. Yeah, I mean, they, I don't think they wear out. So No. They're made out of, uh, I'm sure, lead and asbestos. So. <laughs> <laughs> They're completely and love. <laughs> right, right. right. Oh, that's hysterical. So I, you know, I do think about, you know, my original altar was just that Buddhist, you know, that little Buddha, and 
you know, he sat on my mantle in my living room and that was okay. And then, then I acquired a cushion and I felt like I want, you know, I wanted a little altar. So I had a little shelf that I hung on a wall that was at a lower level so that when I sat, I could stare at my little Buddha statue. And, you know, then along came other pieces and I have, you know, built my, my altar um, very intentionally. So there are items that um, belonged to other people that have been either donated or uh, left um, to me in, in ways. <laughs> so, so those are all there. And there's, you know, like I have one Buddha that is shiny silver reflective and that that one is has given me a lot of um thought about our reflective nature how we reflect back what is crystal like to me and connects a bit to that kuntazangpo which is you know our primordial naked nature so lama suryadas is you know his uh, primordial uh, teaching is around Kung Tzangpo. So that's where I sort of inherited it. But I have Green Tara and I have Vajrasattva and I have uh, some Guan Yin figurines, Guan Yin, Guan Yin, Tara, as well as, you know, some pictures of um, Lama Suryadas and Dalai Lama, one of them together, uh, just those things that help me to motivate. And I have a practice when, when I sit, I, you know, light the candles and maybe an incense, depending on what I'm doing and chant a little. I like to do water offerings as well. That's a, a bit of a uh, undertaking some days, um, but it sets my intention, sets my awareness and helps me arrive and commit to, to my practice. So I've put effort in before I even sit on the seat. So I've dusted and polished things up and really taken the seat when I arrive. So that's one of the, the things that I do to motivate myself. I also use chanting to help me really focus my attention. So when I chant, I'm not chanting and thinking about, you know, that I need to wash the car or walk the dog or how many, you know, how many steps I have left, you know, on my, on my counter today, or, you know, what I'm going to make for dinner. I'm not thinking about that. I'm thinking about the chant and chanting for me is a love song to this experience and to the primordial awareness and nature of who we are. That is effort. All of that describes effort and the effort doesn't have to be uh, this great like thing that you set aside to do. It's, it becomes, you know, like Pavel said earlier, maybe, maybe this is the best way to say it for me. It's, it's like the foundation uh, of a house. Like, if you see a picture or you go see the Taj Mahal in person, you're like, boy, that's an incredible, beautiful building and it's ancient. 
you're never going to say, wow, that's a fantastic foundation. Like I can't imagine what architecture went into the foundation so that that building could stand up for all these years. Right. But, but that's where the effort is. The effort is the foundation. It allows it not even allows is right. It, it supports, it holds up, it encourages, it is the part of your practice that allows all the other practice right. that, that enables it, I guess. Yeah. And it is important. I think that statement that some of the text claims that the perseverance or enthusiastic effort is the most important perfection because it gives energy to the other five. I think that's, you know, that's important to understand because for me, that's one of the main obstacles in progressing on this path, which is in our experience, we have resistance and laziness that is part of our it's just part of our makeup when when we're not in the mood we don't want to be in the mood and we don't want to commit we think i am just going to self-medicate with some television or some other distraction that allows me to just sink in and lay in the cool mud, if you will. (laughs) There was um, one of the favorite, my favorite YouTube videos that I've run across, I stuck it in our newsletter one week, was of a young monk at uh, Savrasti Abbey, S-V-R-A-S-T-I. And I don't, I'm probably not saying it right. And that's my bad if I am. But she talked about, she went to live there and practice there and become a, you know, a full-time monk there. And she, uh, she, she gave a great talk about how about two years into her practice, she was getting uh, frustrated. It seemed like she had stopped making progress or she just hit a, hit a pretty good size obstacle in her path. And then she goes, and of course I'm paraphrasing, but then she goes, you know, I finally realized my, own mind was out to get me she goes it was like i was in a she goes i pictured it like i was in a boxing ring with my mind except my mind was like a hulk-sized person and was just pummeling me at every turn and as soon as she became aware of that of course that that was that she was able to let go of it and it freed her up and she could continue to grow her practice and of course that's a that in itself was a crucial part of her practice it's exactly what you're saying though with laziness with feelings with moods these sensations that we have they are absolutely obstacles they are absolutely in your mind and you will have to fight those and you exactly fight them with effort and especially enthusiastic effort yeah well you know i think it's from other reading, I've realized that there are three different possible lazinesses that we encounter in our practice. The first is sloth and torpor. So like just the procrastination and the bad habits and, you know, just sort of wanting to just lay around. The second is our attraction to trivial pursuits. And I'm talking about the board game, but, you know, filling the day with unimportant distractions that are innately unfulfilling. Yeah. 
And the last is defeatism, which I think a lot of us feel. And especially when you sit down and try to engage and you think, I just, I just want to sit in my practice for a while and take a break from everything else. And then the dog starts barking or your foot falls asleep or the phone rings or somebody interrupts you or you just can't seem to settle down and your head is full. You know, it's thinking and it's doing things. And we start to have those delusions of inadequacy or incompetence that we are even able to I can't get this. I can't do this. This is not working. <laughs> One of my favorite little um, fun things about meditation is the scene in Eat, Pray, Love with Julia Roberts. And she's at the ashram and she's going to meditate. And she goes into the nice air conditioned room and she sits down yeah. and right. she's, you know, her, you know, she's, you know, experiencing, and then she looks up at the clock, and it's been one minute. <laughs> She's like, I've done it. Woo. Uh, no, no, I think it was like, oh, my God, this is an hour. <laughs> like, it, it's been, it's been, you know, a whole, a whole minute, and now I'm going to have to sit and endure, like, the longest minutes ever. I've certainly had that experience in, especially in retreat, where your your mind is probably popping and you're in an unfamiliar situation and you know you're you're trying to do your best and oh my god this is the longest longest meditation and is it ever going to end <laughs> nope and it doesn't because you're focusing on that struggle now it's yeah. just the struggle and your whole practice is facing the struggle. I will say that my guidance for if you have trouble um, with the irritation of slow moving time is that you open your eyes in your meditation and you watch your clock. There you go. Put it, put it smack in the middle of your altar. If that is your if that is your irritation, your agitation, work with it. So what is what does irritation and agitation feel like when I'm watching the movement of time. Yeah. Get to know it. Get to know Under, it. Understand what it is. Yeah, absolutely. And understand that you can actually sit through it. Right. Nothing's Even, changing. You know, commit to 10 minutes, 10 minutes of watching the clock go around, you know, get the one with the second hand and watch that thing creep around. <laughs> How many times, like, remember when you were a kid and off from school? Yeah. You're, you're, experience may be different because you moved around a lot but my summers were they they lasted a year right you know I 90 days lasted a too. year yeah the, the a day literally would last a week every hour was you know a giant event right what am i going to do this hour i'll go play matchbox cars or ride my bike or throw the baseball or whatever <laughs> so and as you get older, you know, it's that there's not a single person that doesn't age and realize that time is literally, you're on a jet plane going as fast as possible. Oh my gosh. You, I get up in the morning and then yeah. start working and blink and it's five o'clock. Like, oh exactly. my gosh, what happened to the day? Yeah. Like, yeah. And so 
that's I that's what I used to keep in perspective on the time issue when when the practice is hard and I sit down to do it and I can't get past the time because I I'm just I've distracted myself for whatever reason but it's always right. the time right it's always how long is this is going to take forever how long is you know how did 10 minutes turn into 10 days like <laughs> hey, it doesn't make any sense so that's what I use in my practice to, not that I'm living in the past but I just remind myself that time flies and you've been eight you can slow it down absolutely you can slow it down time and, a, and our concept of time is made up right and I know that I you know, that may be jarring for someone to hear, but because we, you know, we spent $600 on the Apple watch or, or, or what it is to keep track. And I, sure. you know, it's funny because I, I do have a collection of watches. Um, so I can, you know, get to the present moment. This, yeah. my practice is bringing myself to this present moment, this where my heart is beating, my breath is activated, where my thoughts are actually happening. They are not happening. Our existence is not happening anywhere but here. So your journey, you know, it feels like, oh, long, 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 long. And it's not. That's the whole thing. Spontaneous nowness awareness is right here, right in this moment. We don't get to it later. Our practice isn't going to show up in the future. It's going to show up in the present. Our attention, our attentive awareness, and the actions that we take with the attentive awareness happen in this moment. Not anywhere else. We may have a, a memory or a thought of them in the past, but it's a memory or a thought of the existence of time in the past. So we can right. look past that and, you know, that's a, that's a great meditation and think about that, you know, my attention is only active. My, my being is only active here and now. Right. That's, that's it. That's the only time that exists time. The only moment that exists is, is literally right now. We've talked about that before. It's one of my favorite things lately is time traveling i'm completely fascinated by it if it was so freeing for me from from all these past memories and things so freeing like it doesn't exist and and just for clarification you're talking about you know my my instruction that anything outside of this moment is time traveling so Correct. if we're thinking Sorry, about yeah. the past or we're thinking about mm -hmm. the future it's time traveling we're not really here now you can do it from here, you know, when you keep a foot in and, you know, part of your awareness in this present moment, and you are actively thinking about future instead of getting lost in the planning and. Right. And yeah. Or, right. All the stuff. Yeah. 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 The, 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 all the, whatever memories you're trying to fix or change or live in and all the, future things that you have to do yeah no it's yeah it, it's but again a great great spot for effort yeah time i can often see when you know when i'm leading meditation i can see <laughs> when someone is actively engaged and 
sometimes. And sometimes I can see when someone is really struggling with, <laughs> with time travel. And I want, I actually want to say, welcome time traveler. <laughs> welcome back to this moment. Start eight. The start eight is four five two nine seven, which is made it's up. Enterprise is yeah. yeah. Of course, it's made up. Yeah. Uh, and there's lots of wonderful things that are made up, but right. being present is not one of them. That actually is the thing that is is the the, the thing. That's right. the isness is is now the isness of the isness of the isness of the isness is right now. Right. Of the isness. Right. Right. And so, you know, our job in this is, you know, we all need to be coaxed a little and give ourselves the motivation and the tools of motivation to help us embrace a daily practice, showing up in some form. And I'll say, I'm very committed to my practice, but it shows up in different ways on different days. So sometimes I am all for just sitting in a silent, meditative state of awareness. Easy. I just slip into the seat, you know, I put my, my meditation shawl on my lap or around my shoulders and I grab my beads and I ring a bell and I'm here. You know, no struggle. Other days... I'm more resistant and it's usually when I'm feeling like I have a task list that's bearing down on me or deadlines that are bearing down on me. And I often embrace that with chant. So uh, there's a, an active, actionable motivation that's happening. So I'm still getting to the same place, the same awakened awareness, but it's through making sound and vibration with my voice and letting a, letting a little bit of that energy out, like letting the slowly letting the air out of a balloon. So that takes that place for me. Other days it's movement. So I, you know, I want to walk, maybe go take an, you know, an engaged walk. So, you know, I've been walking about three miles each day minimum. And part of that practice, especially if I'm on my own, is opening my eyes, taking my, taking my eyes off of the path that's in front of my shoes and open my eyes and see the sky and see the trees and open my ears and listen to the sounds that are going on around me and know that if I don't pay attention, I'm going to be off in a thought somewhere else. I'm definitely going to be thinking about the grocery list or what I should and shouldn't do or regret of something that happened in the past or how I should have handled something differently. And, you know, I can certainly lose a good hour walking, thinking about things that are a little mundane. Absolutely. It's, and I love, I love you bringing the physical part of the practice up during our discussion, because we can all do that. You know, if you're struggling with some of this stuff, I do this all the time. Focus on your breath. Right. And that doesn't just mean like, take a deep breath. Uh, you know, feel the, feel your, the air, you know, rushing, uh, 
through your nostrils or into your mouth and feel your lungs fill up, feel your, we, we teach really belly breathing. So feel your gut, just, just fill up, hold it for a moment. Feel, feel what that feels like. And then when you exhale, you know, pay attention to your shoulders and your chest and your belly. Feel the air rush back out. It's cool. It's warm. It's moist. You can be aware of all these sensations. And that is exactly the same uh, as opening your eyes on a walk. And by opening your eyes, that is opening right. your eyes. Right. That's a. Right. Literally. It's 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 literally and figuratively. Exactly. Right. So spiritually, whatever, whatever you can manage in your practice, uh, physical, doing something physical in your practice can absolutely is very valuable for me has been in bringing you back to the present moment. And it, and it constitutes effort, folks, like it really does. The simple thing of being aware of your breath can be effort. I'm not sure if I've given you this teaching, but so when I show up, there's three pieces to my showing up. Mudra, mantra, and mind. Those are three things that I'm trying to actively engage with. And your mudra is, you know, if you look at the the definition of mudra, you know, we talk about that as like the hand gestures that are in, um, you know, some of the statues and, and um, depictions show different hand positions, but it really means the posture. So it's the posture of awareness. So it could be my physical posture. It could be a yogic posture. So if you want to use it while you're doing yoga, it's literally the asana or posture there. So if it's on your seat, you're upright and supported and you're stable and that's mudra, right? Mantra. So mantra, you can be, you know, thinking, you know, mantra we can use as an outward thing. So sound and vibration. So we could use chanting mantra, or we could, it could be internal as well. And there should be some active dialogue that's helping you stay here. So I've, I've given the instruction a lot that I use, you know, as I'm, you know, like even as I'm walking, I'm breathing in to the word here, breathing mm. out to the word now, awake and aware, Yep. here, now, awake and aware. So that can be a mantra. It could be the, the mantra of breath alone. So listening to hearing the sound of the breath entering and leaving the body, coming and going, coming and going. There's some specific re representation that that should have for you of letting everything come and go naturally. We don't hold on to it. We don't need to push it out. It just comes and goes naturally like waves. And then the last one is mind. And this is the, you know, truly the mind of intention that I'm going to be actively aware 
in my practice. So mudra, mantra, and mind, you show up with whatever you're doing to practice, whether it's on a cushion, whether you're standing on your head, whether you're laying down doing yoga nidra, or you're on a walk or a bike or swimming, that you can really actively engage with your practice through those three vessels. You know, that's, I love, this is one of the things that makes so Chen and this style of practice it's incredibly attractive to me. And it's not just uh, the big idea, of course, is that you can reach enlightenment during your lifetime or uh, during any moment. Very That's accessibly. It. Very accessible. Yeah. It's doable. Literally yes. it's doable by all people. Y'all, everybody's Buddha. You all can do it. We all can do it. We all can do it. Uh, but the, the vehicle, the journey, the process of getting there is, it's wide open. Right. It's wide open. You just said you can stand on your head. You can do yoga. You can walk down. You can walk in the woods with your eyes open. You can sit quietly in a dark room. You can uh, burn incense or candles or right. have a hundred Buddhas or no Buddhas. Right. You can wear purple or pink or tank, you know, tank tops, uh, flip flops. It literally does not matter. And that is just such a wonderful thought. You know, the, the first time I legitimately meditated, I learned in college and it was part of like a peace studies class that I took. And it was focus on, sit still, cross your legs, focus on your belly button and don't think anything. Remove all thoughts from your head. You want to talk about defeatism. Are you kidding me? <laughs> how, like how many days in a row do you think a person can do that? And it just come, might completely give up. So a practice that embraces the, the world, the nature, reality, your space, your body, your being, the space of all. I, I, lo I absolutely adore it. And that's, that's also for me a big, big part of the optimism I have in the practice it comes from this is really cool I relate to it I connect with it and it's doable it's doable it's the and there's really nothing to achieve or accomplish like yeah. that's really it we're just showing up for the isness the you know it it takes the you know it takes the task list away when we sit down and we understand that the brain, the physical brain is meant to think <laughs> just like the lungs are meant to breathe. So there should be no difference in their natural perfection. So when we sit down and have the intention that we are going to stop our mind, <laughs> is like right. saying, please stop breathing for the next 20 minutes. Right. It's absurd. It's absurd. And yes, we can learn to slow the mind and we're really slowing the reaction and the reactive mind. And instead of being carried away in a thought, you know, we have that sort of initial thought of, Oh, you know, I haven't, I haven't looked at my yearbook in years and, 
oh, what about my friend Michelle? I haven't heard from her in forever and ever. And, you know, there was that one time in high school where I said something inappropriate to Michelle, and I really regret that. And I wish I could do that differently. And, 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 and an hour later, you are down the rabbit hole. And the practice that we're talking about is clearly seeing, oh, I'm having a thought. I'm having a thought about my past. I'm having a thought about my yearbook and my friend Michelle and something I said to her and some regret. And being aware that that happens naturally, and it's part of our habits. And to break that habit, we just shine the light of awareness. I'm aware that I'm having a thought about my friend Michelle. Changes everything. It does. It it, it took me a bit to be okay with myself when I did that. It took me a minute. Because there are times when I sit down to practice that I do that. There are times uh, in the middle of a practice when I do that. There are all kinds of times when I do that. And of course, the practice is to, to be aware of those times. And the other part of it is to not think to yourself, why, why can't you do this right? Or hmm. why do I keep doing this? I know I don't need to worry about the past or this. I'm just causing myself more suffering thinking about trying to take back a thing that happened 30 years ago. Right. Folks like but this, but see, but then if you have that thought, that means you're now aware of it. Mm-hmm. Like, like That's it. You've, you've done the thing. That's it. And there's, you know, why ask why? That's why ask why? Yeah. You know, we tend to do that because we think that in time traveling, in going back in time, if we really, really noodle over it, we can see the error of our ways and learn. And not that we don't learn. We certainly learn more as we, as we gain more experience in our lives. So in, you know, in this context, we're, you know, we're, we're understanding that misdeeds happen. And it's natural for misdeeds to happen. It's natural for us to have ignorance like that's not a slam it's not it's not saying you're ignorant as if as if you're a moron it's that you are unaware of something specific i mean we talked you know last week about you know this systemic racism like it's it's a thing and it's a thing that's has sh- that has shown up in all of our lives if you've if you've lived longer than a minute you've experienced something that is unskillful and unskillful that was handed down to you a misunderstanding that was handed down to you or you didn't know to investigate but when you know better you do better so giving ourselves permission to be human humans having a human reaction to a human experience gives us the freedom and you know takes that judgment away yes we make unskillful decisions we make errors in judgment 
and we can be aware that we've done it and then our positive action that comes from there is mending that becoming more becoming more educated becoming more aware of who we are and how we interact with our fellow beings i want to i want to throw out uh one more thing and it's a very short little quote fifth in, instruction from pema Children, who is one of everybody's favorites, she says about she said about effort, uh, not too tight and not too loose. Yes, yes, we don't have to control everything all the time. You know, our showing up with our simple awakened awareness that we don't have all the answers and we are not going to control everything is simply simply the key. So even the mundane of everyday life experience can become obstacles to staying on our practice path. But when we find our mudra, mantra, and mind of motivation, we tap into a commitment that benefits us in unsurpassable ways. In the words of Henry David Thoreau, enthusiasm is a supernatural serenity. Embrace your own compass of awareness and continue each day on your journey to spontaneous nowness awareness. Thanks to Dan again for walking this path with me today. And thanks to all our amazing listeners around the globe. We see you and we're glad that you can hear us. Thank you, Pawo, as always, for your time and effort in this practice. And folks, remember, meditate as fast as you can. Bye now.